Hey guys, welcome back to pre-production. I'm sitting here today with an esteemed guest, a man named Jacob Chase. He directed the film Come Play. It was very good, and you should see it if you haven't. He's got a new short out as well called Trouble, and I'm really excited to have him here today to talk about his history with movies. Thank you so much for joining me, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. This is exciting. To have your first film be produced by Amblin Entertainment, that must be a pretty amazing place to sort of start and probably very daunting. It definitely is is daunting, although, and we'll we'll get to it, but it's technically not my first feature. I made an indie movie back in the day that no one has seen. My love of film, it really comes from my love of theater first. I was a child actor in musical theater as a kid. My family's not in the industry at all, but they did like the arts, and my mom would take me to see theater, and I was like, I, I have to do that. And so I begged my mom to let me audition for a regional production of Peter Pan and I got a role as a lost boy and <laughs> I was hooked on the acting thing at that point. I did a ton of like musicals when I was a kid and then I started doing film and TV as an actor. My first role was when I was about seven years old and then around 10, 12-ish I started doing film and TV as an actor and I didn't love that as much on the acting side just that the vibe is you know you're, you're waiting around a lot it's not as fun you're not performing in front of an audience but I did discover an even bigger love of mine, which is the people that are actually like making the stories. And so I became sort of obsessed with following the directors around and the DPs and the writers. And I would just like ask them tons of questions. I was probably a very annoying little kid to them. <laughs> There's a specific memory in my mind, actually. It was I went to a premiere of a movie. It was a adaptation of Brave New World that was the, it was in the 90s at some point. And I had a role in it. And at the premiere, it was like, just like so much fun to like hear the audience reactions that I loved in live theater, but it was for a movie. And I had that connection in my head of like, oh, this is like the directors and the writers, like they're getting that reaction now after months of work. It's this living thing on, on screen and you're sort of getting to have that audience participation that I love. So anyway, from a very young age, I started making, you know, short films and stuff and forcing my friends to come over and drawing mustaches on them to <laughs> characters in my shorts and stuff. That's really cool that you had sort of a professional viewpoint of it because I think a lot of people in their younger movies or, or theater or I guess more so movies and TV is kind of magical and they don't really think about the creation part of it. And you were already sort of like involved in the act of acting and being there and seeing how crews work to make things. Yeah, it's an interesting point actually that I haven't totally thought about before because I always loved movies. We didn't have TV in the house that was, there was like an old TV that you could play like VHSs occasionally, like Disney movies and stuff, but it wasn't, it wasn't like a mainstay of the house. And so I don't have a ton of memories of like watching movies. And, and even now, like I'm still catching up on classics that I sort of wasn't introduced to as, as a young kid. I remember my mom took me to see, it was a double feature day. We went and saw Death to Smoochie and Con Air, which I, <laughs> if I remember correctly, those were like on the same day. What an amazing and, double feature then. <laughs> and I loved them both and they were so different and just like, it was like, oh my God, this is the magic of movies. But when I saw that, like it was already after I had worked on sets a lot. So yeah, it is sort of an interesting backwards way into it for me where I loved sort of the audience and just like creating that, you know, emotion in people before I even like totally understood the power of filmmaking. 
Yeah. So a lot of it was searching for that sort of visceral reaction from people of like, you created an emotion in them, like through your emotional expression, you were able to affect someone else's emotions. And for me, that's kind of like a drug. And I know a lot of other filmmakers have expressed that as well. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, look, that's, I'm saying that more succinctly now after years of therapy, but I think, <laughs> you know, truthfully, yeah, it is. It's probably what I loved about the first time I got on stage and like sang a song and the audience clapped or, or you know, laughed at a line I said. And I have a distinct memory of the first time I wrote a, a script, a short film, and or at least one that was like sort of pseudo professional, like when I was in high school and like had some like professionalish actors I knew read it. And it was like this bubbling up of joy inside of me of just hearing actors like read something I wrote was a similar sort of feeling. And yeah, I, I think I am chasing that, you know, with sort of anything I do. And and it's why the industry for me can be quite difficult because so much of it is is writing and, and trying to get the next thing going. But like the happiest I am is like sitting in a theater and, and you know, feeling the reactions for a film I made. I remember the first time that I ever got anything like that, some kind of reaction from anyone that I was, you know, showing something to. And I was like super little. I would put on these little plays in the house where I would basically just imitate movies that I saw. So like I would play every character in Home Alone and go through like the whole booby trap scenes and like do, <laughs> do their reactions, fall over, make all the screaming and all that. And it became like a thing where I would do these shows and my parents and people would, would come and watch me. I mean, I'm yeah. like four years old, man. So I'm crazy at this point. But like, I do remember like that idea of performance equals reaction from people. And then noticing when I would like do the same thing with like a short film that I was like kind of watching to see like, how are they going to react to this moment? Like, does this work? It's a really amazing feeling when it does it's also horrible when it doesn't connect because you can <laughs> feel it like you instantly know like oh my god every every lull in this i feel it 100 percent in my blood <laughs> yep oh no you become very attuned to people's emotions and, and every little twitch in the audience or you know move in their seat but when it works it's it's amazing and and yeah i used to do the same thing like i would put on little shows for my for my family and when the Northridge earthquake happened I grew up in LA so so when the the Northridge earthquake happened I was I had had a play like set up in my room and it was like all these set pieces I had built you know on a small scale like a puppet show or something and I woke up I actually slept through the earthquake and I woke up to my dad like shaking me violently awake like making sure I was okay and I woke up and like everything in the room had fallen like wow. all my bookcase was fallen every all the pictures were off the walls there was like a crack in the wall my first thing I said was like is my play okay <laughs> <laughs> that's all I cared about <laughs> I get that there's that line in the new in the Spielberg's new movie Fablemans where the uncle or whatever is like I think you like this more than your family and uh, yeah, I thought that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, that's amazing. So you're performing. You you already mentioned that you sort of had a period where you drifted away from theater and saw some films and felt maybe that's more where I'm at. Was that like an instant cutting off, or did you keep doing some acting, or did you just kind of go like, nope, I want to learn how to write. I want to learn how to direct. This is what I want to do. Whenever I think about some of the things I've done, it feels like my my path has been quite non-linear to get to where I am. I was doing some film acting and I, like I said, I sort of didn't, I wasn't loving that as much. And, and my mom, who at this point was a, a single mom and, and she 
you know, she was always very supportive of, of my career, but never like was forcing me into it. And, you know, I just sort of stopped wanting to go on auditions and stuff. And I think she kind of felt that. And eventually she was like, do you even want to do this anymore? And what happened was at the same time I was in high school and I started making these very elaborate home haunted houses for Halloween. I got very into it. Like anything I do, I become sort of obsessive about it to a sometimes unhealthy degree. And I was creating like, you know, these full like mazes in my mom's yard. And it would take like months of the year to build. I didn't want to go on auditions because I was like, I want to work on my haunted house. And so my mom was like, okay, you don't have to go on auditions anymore. And I was like, great. And so I just like worked on this haunted house kind of obsessively. Any months I wasn't building it with my friends, I would be designing the next years. That was my first foray into like horror was actually creating this live attraction. And it was obviously very rudimentary at the time I was in high school, but it was actually a thing of mine that carried into my adult life where in my 20s, I went back to doing a much larger scale haunted attraction and it became quite popular in, in LA and, and I love it. And it was a very, it was this thing that like combined all of my loves together where it was it was like a bit of theater, right? Because you're like putting on this mini play that people are walking through. A lot of filmed elements because we would, it was a very interactive and detailed story. So we would film, you know, things that were, would show up at different scenes. And then it was also directing and, and designing, you know, I would hand paint walls and, and be building it together. So, and you're also um, getting like this full reactions out of people too, who are going through it. A hundred percent. I mean, it was the same thing where like any, you know, some nights I would have to act in the haunted house, but any night where I like had the full cast that I didn't have to do it was like the best nights. Cause I could just stand at the exit and like watch people like coming out screaming and laughing. Best feeling. It's definitely something I'm the most proud of. I had no idea you worked on that. That's so cool. When you were younger, were these like in your front yard, backyard, or were they in like an actual sort of like facility that you built these? Yeah, when I was younger, I was just in my mom's in my mom's yard, and they got progressively bigger, and it was like a neighborhood a neighborhood hit. Yeah, later it became a much bigger ordeal. With we'd get like ten thousand people a year, and it was wow. just it was very very cool, and I, I do miss it. And you know, it was I left it behind in in twenty fourteen, I believe was the last year we did it, and it was that was like the time when my film career was sort of. I'd been writing for a few years before that, but it was still like, I don't know if I'm going to, if it's going to work, you know, and, and around that time was like, I'm writing enough movies every year now and like getting sort of enough jobs that I didn't have time to build the haunt anymore and made the difficult decision to stop doing it. I'll have to have you give my wife some, some suggestions because I kid you not this last Halloween, she, for the very first time built a tunnel in our front yard, a scare tunnel for all the kids in the neighborhood. Nice. We had a few people play characters and stuff, and it was just like a very, like you said, rudimentary, very simple, fun thing we could kind of set up, but she really liked it. I made like a, a, a video for it, not on my YouTube channel, but just for Facebook, my friends and stuff. Awesome. It was cool to see like kids really genuinely like that because our neighborhood isn't huge at all. I live in kind of a small area, like on the suburb of Akron, Ohio. And when these kids came over, they were expecting like a Three Musketeers bar or something. And when they got that, plus the scare tunnel, it was just cool to see like genuine joy on people's faces, because especially after COVID, like people were like out there, like experiencing a fun social event in some way. And there were a few yep. kids that definitely cried. We might have been a yeah. little too a little too scared, <laughs> but it was pretty fun. So I'll, that is 
I had no idea. That is also, like you said, as a very unique way of kind of discovering this side of you, this artistic side of you. Yeah, I mean, it's it's led to a lot of interesting things in, in the industry. I mean, I, you know, people are, are quite aware of it because it was, it did get a lot of popularity in LA. And so like either people will already know of it when they meet me or they'll find out about it and be like, oh yeah, I went to that. Or, you know, you'll find out all these crazy people I've met whether executives or actors or something, you'll find out like, oh, they went to the hunt, you know, like they knew it, which is always very flattering when, when I hear about that. So at this point in high school, you're experimenting with, with haunt. Like you said, it's teaching you about design. It's teaching you about construction, getting reactions from people, setting up scares. How did this bleed into writing and, and making short films and things along those lines? Because I'm always interested to know where the sort of professional side of I should probably learn how to write these or I should understand the formatting and all of that where did that start to to creep in for you or was that much later no that was I mean to be honest that had sort of already started beforehand you know I was lucky to have worked a lot as an actor so I, I knew the form inside and out already there was never like I don't remember a time where I had to like learn the the sort of technical aspects of screenwriting of course, the craft I had to learn and like the the creative side of it, which is the more important side. One of the fortunate things for me is I, I went to high school in Burbank, which is known for its like film population. And my high school, there was, there was this one teacher who was at the same time I was going there trying to start like a film program. And I was in the sort of first classes of that film program where they got a bunch of old IMAX. They weren't old at the time, but you know, it's those old colorful IMAX. And I'm looking uh, at one right now, I kid you not, over there I have, it was a prop on Shelby. Nice. It's, it's like got that incandescent, like bluish purpley. It's amazing. They yeah. look so cool to me still. Like I, I, I miss old Game Boys that look like that. Give me more see-through electronics where I can see all the gears and parts, please. Oh, a hundred percent. A lot of nostalgia <laughs> whenever I see one of those. But yeah, I edited, you know, so I, on, on those computers, it was like the earliest final cut was on there. And, and so it was, you know, I was shooting little short films in a class in school. And then he also started an honors English class that was like honors English screenwriting. And you could, like, you still had to do all the tasks that were in a normal honors English class, like reading all those books and writing reports and stuff. But you would also read famous screenplays and you would write a screenplay. I don't think we had to write like a full screenplay, but you would write scenes in there. And so just had just a lot of practice. And then in high school, I made my first, quote unquote, my first short film. I mean, I'd made stuff just with friends, but the first one that I actually was like, okay, I'm like renting a camera and I'm like trying to like actually make this great. It was the one I was talking about that like I had some actor friends of mine read and it was the first time like I really felt my words come come to life and... And it was about these two teenage boys who were in a post-apocalyptic landscape, which we shot in like the Lancaster desert. It was about them coming together and falling in love. And it was like this sort of gay romance set in post-apocalypse times. And then there was like a local film festival that was just like for high schools. And I was like, oh, I'm going to submit to this. I still have behind me, which I don't know, you can't see in, in your Zoom, but there's like these three awards I won for like best writing, like best cinematography, best drama short film or something. And, you know, it was just like the local high schools competing. It felt really good at the time. More than the accolades, it felt like, okay, like I can do some version of this and like I'm not crazy for wanting to do this. And then, yeah, and then I went to film school and then kept making stuff. 
at this point in college, you've you've started to figure out shorts. You're, you've won some awards for shorts. You've heard actors say your words, which is a very validating and gratifying experience, and it's fun. Are you in the mindset of, this is what I want to do professionally for sure. I found it. Like, I know this is it. Or are you still sort of like, I don't know yet? There was no question. I mean, there was no question before I went to film school. I mean, in in high school, like an old friend of mine, her mom used to tell me like, when you were in middle school and I asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, you said, I'm going to be a director. But you didn't say I want to be a director. You said, I'm going to be a director. I have seemed to know that this is what I wanted forever. Obviously, there's the good part of that, which is like I've worked really hard to become a director and like done everything I can with that sort of singular goal in, in mind. But it's also made it challenging when things don't go your way and things take much longer than you're wanting. And it's like, I've wanted this for so long. And, and you know, every moment of, of the time feels like an eternity. So I knew that's what I wanted to do through film school. And, and you know, I made as many as many little shorts as I could during my time there. I kind of liken the idea of wanting to direct and or write or whatever to having a virus. It's like if you have an idea for a movie you want to make, it's kind of like a virus and it's in you and it's making you sick. And the only cure for it is to make it, release it, and watch people watch it and see mm -hmm. the reactions and know that it was made and now you are cured. But every second that you are not doing that, you're getting sicker and sicker and sicker. And then yes. as soon as you finally get rid of that virus, you get sick again with a new idea. <laughs> it's like this thing that just keeps perpetually happening to yeah, you. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, when, when sort of younger filmmakers will ask me like, what's, what's it like to be a director? What is, what is a director to you? You know, I, what I've sort of taken to saying is it's either writing or reading a story, a script, that you can see perfectly in your head and then you spend the next years of your life obsessively describing that thing to people until it finally exists yeah that it's perfect that is exactly it it is like a never-ending no trust me it's real like i know trust me like and then you just yeah. hope that they do you mentioned waiting how do you deal with it because i have a really hard time with it personally oh gosh I'm not good at it. I mean, <laughs> here's how I have taken to dealing with it is, is continuing to make stuff. Yeah. You, you mentioned at the beginning, like I just made another short film and I, I think to a lot of people that might seem silly, like, oh, I just made a feature and I have another feature that, you know, is, is gearing up to go and a bunch of other ones that are in development, but like they take forever and I'm not good at waiting and I got to make stuff. And so I made that little short trouble a few months back and I actually just made another one that I'm going to put out soon too. Oh, shit. I'm just like, I don't know. I just, they're relatively, nothing's easy, but like you can put them together. You have friends that are still, you know, everyone's still trying to make stuff and say new things and try different genres or whatever. And this is um, multiple years off of your life to make a short film. Yeah, it, it's not. I, and I, I think just truthfully, the more you make, the better you get. And I, I still believe that's true. Like I have so much more to learn and so many things that I am always looking back at my work and thinking, oh, I wish I had done that differently. And and the only way to do that is to keep trying. And and so that's how I deal with it. And and if I'm not making something, it's writing. Like I, I you know, I'll write more specs, which I've had a, you know, really lucky track record of, of selling once I've written, but not always. And yeah, so it's just, it's keeping busy. And I don't know if that's the healthiest 
answer, to be honest. I, I think it's good for the career because there's more, it's a numbers game. And just the more you have, the more opportunities you have to get stuff made. It also means that I am sort of not focused on other parts of my life sometimes. That's how I've been able to deal with it too. I had an interesting conversation with another guest where they talked about how everyone sort of answers calls they get differently. Like if somebody realizes that a really important life event is going to happen soon and they're aware of it, like having a child or, you know, whatever, that there's kind of two ways to go about it. You can be like, well, I'm about to have a kid. I can't make a movie right now. Or shit, I'm about to have a kid. I need to make a movie now. You know, like something along those lines. And I feel like there's different ways you can approach these situations. Well, I got, you know, three months while, while my feature isn't happening or or whatever. Might as well make a short. Might as well write a script. And that's really the key that, that everyone I've spoken to, I think, has I've taken away from is the idea that you never really stop being a filmmaker. You know, you can take a vacation or something, but your your brain never shuts off. You're always looking at amazing views and thinking, oh, man, I wish I could film that in the movie right now. It's so perfect. <laughs> But the idea of writing specs, I think, is something I haven't really got a chance to talk to yet with any of my guests because most of them are either first-time writers or they've written a lot already or they haven't written. And so I'm very curious to hear from you your approach to studying the craft of screenwriting because obviously you, you did have the advantage of sort of knowing what scripts were supposed to look like from a young age. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it was just practice writing shorts, but I also started writing features. You know, in film school, I took a, a screenwriting semester where you had to, at the end of the semester, have a finished screenplay, like a full-length screenplay, which was was my second time writing a full script. I had written one when I was like a kid. It was a, I, I loved the book series Dinotopia, and I wrote like a, Holy shit. my own adaptation of Dinotopia as a kid. I know uh, exactly what Dinotopia is. <laughs> I may or may not have written many Goosebumps books as a kid as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. And Animorphs and all that. Taking stories you love and adapting them is a good way to learn as a kid, I think. So, yeah, so I, I wrote a script in college, you know, not very good, but you start learning structure and, and what works. And then really it was when I started doing readings of my scripts that I think I got, I started getting better at dialogue and sort of hearing it out loud with friends or actors. And then I kept writing. I mean, truthfully, I didn't want to be a writer. Like I really, I saw myself as a director. I wanted to be Steven Spielberg or whatever, who's like, doesn't write very often. And, you know, he's, he works with amazing writers. That's sort of how I saw my career more. And I kept writing. And, and I, I mean, this is a good point maybe to talk about my first feature I made because it sort of ties into when I got into writing more. So after college, I was making my living as an editor, editing like commercials and music videos and stuff and trying to get stuff made as a director, but not really knowing how to go about that yet, which is not something they teach you in film school. Um, <laughs> and there was a post on Mandy, which I don't even know if that still exists, but it's like a, it's like a crew website. And I used to like try to find PA gigs or something on there or editing gigs. And there was a playwright from NYU, about my same age as me, that was looking for a director to help them turn one of the plays into a feature. I sent over like a bunch of my short films from from college, which got me sort of a meeting with them. It was it was like a group of friends that were sort of producing this, and they had sort of raised a little bit of money, like a hundred thousand dollars, through some friends, and to like make this this feature. They they did a reading of the the play 
which I just fell in love with. I was like, it's this writer, Amarja Lewis Ryan, who's gone on to like now she's she created the the new L Word series and and made a couple movies. Super talented writer, great person, and it was a play I just fell in love with. I loved her writing, and I was like, I have to make this somehow. And I like fought really hard to like get the job, even though it was like a bunch of people our age. Like it was just you know we were just they were just trying to make it too. Long story short, I ended up getting it, and we made this feature together. And we ended up having to raise some more money, you know, a hundred grand wasn't enough, but like we shot in New York and LA and, and it took place over like a year of shootings. We could like, we would afford to shoot a couple of weeks and then like take time off and make wow. you know, another a couple of weeks. And the movie turned out pretty damn good. I think, you know, it's, there's a lot of things I would have done differently. Of course, it's like a romantic comedy ish about these two women falling in love in, in New York and it premiered at slam dance in 2010 you know it sold to mtv and it it did relatively well but it didn't light the world on fire and i started having meetings and stuff a lot of people liked it but i wasn't getting like oh here's your next movie to direct right at the same time i saw marja who like i said is an amazing writer start to sort of get more opportunities as a writer than i was getting as a director and i was like confused by that at first and i started realizing and or now i've you know, it's very, very clear that like writers, you can keep getting work as a writer yeah. because it's a lot less financial investment for a studio to pay someone a hundred grand to write a script than it is to like pay a director millions of dollars to go make a movie, especially like a young unknown director who's only made one, you know, couple hundred thousand dollar movie. And so I think it was born out of some jealousy and also like a new understanding of the industry that I was like, oh shit, I got to start writing more. And so at that point around 2010, I started just writing like crazy. And there was a couple scripts I read that I found. There's this one called We Gotta Get Out of This Place. It was like a small movie that ended up getting made. And I, I unfortunately forget what they, they changed the title to, but it was a great script that was written in a very different way that I hadn't seen before. Like one of those writers who doesn't write traditional slug lines and and sort of will write shot by shot, like a Gilroy kind of script. And it just opened my mind of like, oh, there's other ways to like create emotion on the page. And I sort of started finding my own style in doing that. And really once I started focusing on writing full time and becoming less obsessive about, I have to just direct other people's stuff is when I started actually starting to sell scripts and getting hired to write more scripts that it took me eight years of doing that before I got come play made, but it was eight years of like slowly increasing all the writing I was doing, selling movies to studios, getting hired to adapt graphic novels and books and stuff. Did you find that you had a wheelhouse or something you felt comfortable writing? Did you feel like you could go towards any genre or did some sell better than others? It's definitely changed over the years, I would say, like the movies I'm excited about. It, it's always been the movies I want to watch, you know? Like I think when I started, the first script that really like took off and, and still is a script that gets me a lot of meetings and people love is a script called Mom that I had written that almost got made a few times. And that was a very, I would say it's sort of a Coen Brothers-esque dramedy, if that's the right word, but it's it's got like murder, but also comedy and it's, and but it's quite emotional and, and got really... I think great characters, but that's like a kind of movie I don't really write anymore. That's like small and like character based. I love, obviously I always come up things through characters still, but I, I just like stuff that's bigger and a bit more like crowd pleasing. Now the genres I got sort of hired to write in really just kept changing a bit 
organically. Like my script mom got me a meeting at the Jim Henson company. I really loved Labyrinth. And I was like, I want to make a sequel to Labyrinth. And they were like, I don't think Lisa Henson's ever going to go for that. But I came up with a whole pitch for Labyrinth and I did all this like artwork and I, I printed it out on poster boards and I was like, can I come in and pitch you Labyrinth too anyway? And they're like, okay. And then like I did this, you know, really awesome pitch and they're like, all right, we're going to bring this to Lisa Henson. So like the next week I went to Lisa and pitched her this whole Labyrinth thing. And she was like, ah, we're not going to make Labyrinth, but I love that. Here is this old graphic novel that Jim Henson had written called Tale of Sand. And we want to turn that into a movie. And it's it's sort of this mix between this like, you know, surrealist adventure, but also some of the more humanist drama that was in my script mom. So they gave me that opportunity. And that was one of my earliest paid you know, script deals. Wow. So, and then I started getting hired to write more like adventure stuff because that had a lot of adventure in it. So, and then it kept changing, you know, it's like everything I write had a little bit of this and then a little bit of sci-fi. So I got a few sci-fi gigs and it's sort of all, I don't know, I've written a lot in every genre. That's so great though, man. I mean, cause you're so experienced though, is that you could really look at every genre of film and really see what works and what doesn't. But what I also love about that is that in a lot of these opportunities that you have basically created for yourself, you got an opportunity to do something that maybe you didn't walk through the door wanting to do, you know, but you still did it anyway. You went into there hoping I can make Labyrinth 2. I really worked hard on this pitch. And they said, well, what about this thing? Some writers or directors might be like, no, no, I don't want to do I want to do Labyrinth 2. And then they yeah. go home and they don't work you were like, okay, yeah, let me look at this and made something of it. And I think that's really important for listeners to take away is sometimes you walk into a room with one idea of how the conversation is going to go and you might walk out of it thinking five other things you never thought of before. And all of those are opportunities that you should explore and not, not give up just because you didn't get to do the one thing you were hoping you were going to do. A hundred percent. I mean, every thing I've gotten to write or make is like never exactly the thing that I thought I was going to write or make. And it's all, everything is turned into things I'm really proud of. You know, you find yourself in the project and you, you, you infuse yourself into everything you do. And I'm, I'm never good at just, nothing is ever just like a paycheck for me. You know, it's always, right. I put my entire heart onto the page and every script I write, otherwise I don't take the job. And it means a lot of heartbreak and a lot of sweat and tears, but it's also like stuff I can be proud of. And, and you're every time, you know, you're trying to get the thing made. Yeah. So let's talk about Come Play, a movie that I really liked a lot. I saw it when I wasn't allowed to go outside too much during the COVID times. And I wish that I could have seen it on a bigger screen. But if it makes you feel any better, I have a 77-inch OLED, which is a damn good TV. <laughs> and it looked really, really good on the TV. Um, Thank you. Yeah, it, it came out at not the ideal time, obviously. It clearly has an interesting story. I'm sure every film does. You mentioned that nothing you've ever really made has ever started the way it eventually became did was come play ever ever anything else well it you know it started as a short film and i guess the the good example is like when i made that short film i never made it thinking like there's a feature here i made it because i like any short film i've made wanted to make something with my friends you know, it was many years after I'd stopped doing my haunted house and I still had all these props and costumes that I had made for the haunt. And one of the, the costumes that I had was like this big stilts, like spindly costume guy. And I was like, I've got that. I want to make a horror short film. Let's go do it. And so, you know, made it very cheaply with some friends, one location using this old costume that I already had. 
I got very lucky that it became popular and, and my agents sent it out and it got a very positive response and a lot of people wanted to know what the feature version was of it. And so I very quickly figured it out. Quick anecdote. So at the same time, I had a TV show that I had created at ABC. There was a pilot that was going into production. It was a musical, actually, like a musical murder mystery. It was a fun experience. I learned a ton, but also quite frustrating because it was my first time in TV and the creative side of it was like not going the way I wanted is the short way of saying it. So I made the short to sort of like cleanse my palate during that process. And then during the pre-production of that pilot, people were wanting to know what the feature was, but I didn't have time to work on it. One Friday, ABC says, we're not going to move forward with the pilot. We were like three weeks from shooting, like, you know, building sets and everything. So it's devastating. I come home, I'm in tears. My wife, my girlfriend at the time, she said like, people are wanting to know what this Larry thing is like, why don't you, instead of just like laying in your bed, why don't you figure out what that is and try to get that made? And so I did like that day I wrote a treatment, you know, I'd been thinking about it for a while, obviously, but I finally wrote it down. It went out to the town the next week. And like by the next Friday, we had set it up in a bidding war and it was crazy. It was like, that's the most Hollywood thing that's ever happened to me that you read about, you know, Wow. but it really came out of, out of a failure. And I, and I just, I always remind myself of that just because I get really down a lot when things fail or fall apart, but like, I just, it's a reminder to keep just doing the next thing because that's the only chance that anything will, will get made. So this is an interesting deviation from what most of the guests I've had on have mentioned in that most of them stepped foot on their first film being like, I've never done this before. I have never really set foot on a set though. And you have a knowledge of how sets work or at least you know a cursory idea of how plays and theater but on day one i don't imagine necessarily that any of that prep is is still going to make you not feel any nervousness or anxiety and so can you talk a little bit about those first few days and and how the shoot went and you know getting into a groove you're right that i had a fair amount of experience so like i while i had not obviously run a ship this big, it felt like something I had, I, I felt comfortable with, but of course, incredibly nervous, a lot of Xanax involved. Um, <laughs> but no, this is what I'll say is that like, there was moments of, of crazy fear, you know, like the first time I met Steven Spielberg and like, or talked with him about the script, right? Like obviously insanely nervous about that. And like, how do I talk to this guy? First time I showed up at the like production offices and it's like, my name's on a door and like, everyone's looking at me for answers, very nervous. You know, but I, I, I don't know if it's my acting background or whatever, but like I, I seemed to fake my way through it okay. And then the first day of set was probably the most nervous I, I ever had been. And it was showing up, seeing all the trucks and trailers. And like, I remember going into my trailer, which was probably the only time I ever was in my trailer the entire shoot. And, and just like putting my backpack down and just like taking a breath and like being terrified. I walk on set and within the first shot or two, it all went away, all the fear, because I realized like once it was me and the DP and the actors, it felt like every other short film I'd ever made. And I, you know, part of that's obviously the the vibe you're creating as a director on set as well. But once I realized I've done this a million times, it felt okay. And the the shoot was not abnormally stressful. I mean, you're always stressed, you're making cuts, I'm like shooting all day and then doing rewrites at night and budget issues and you know all that stuff but the normal stuff 
<laughs> normal stuff. There wasn't any like really crazy thing. You know, it, it started an eight-year-old boy. That was the hardest thing. So like, you know, you're working with tons of doubles and like having adult actors have to work off of kids that are not the main kid and stuff. It, you know, there's lots of challenges. Here's a fun, a fun little moment is... There's a scene early on in the movie when Oliver, the character, is like running around the house with a box on his head with like smiley faces and eyes cut out. And it's a great scene. Was not written with him having a box on his head. It was the last day of shooting in that set and we ran out of time. I could not shoot with him. I didn't know what we were going to do. And the AD comes up to me and he was like, what if he was wearing a box on his head? <laughs> I was like, what the hell are you talking about? And then I started thinking like, oh, I could shoot it. Like I could put the camera in the box and like with the eye holes and sort of do a shot like as if we're in his POV. And yeah. and it kind of, I rewrote it a little bit to make sense that he was a little bit chaotically sort of running around the house. And I told the actors, I was like, we're going to use a double for the scene. We're going to put a box on the double's head and we're going to shoot it. And it totally works. And it's, you know, it turned out to be a great scene, but you know, those are the kind of moments that you're always trying to figure out on set. Yeah, no, that's great. That's fantastic. I love hearing stories like that. When there's like this one problem solving thing that has to happen, here's what we do. And that's, that's really the sign of a great filmmaker, man, is somebody who's able to kind of recalibrate in those moments and not just make something that stitches the film together, make something that actually turns out good. And, and that's awesome, man. I have to ask, you know, a little bit about Spielberg. I might be a fan. So it's one of those <laughs> things. Yeah. <laughs> we're all just, we're all just fans of Steven Spielberg here. Was your first meeting in person? Was it on Zoom? The, so the first couple of times, like I heard from him, it was like through his assistant or, or executives or email. He was like notes on the script. And luckily, you know, he took a real shining to the project and I didn't know how involved he would be. And then I, I didn't meet him until after I finished shooting. Like it was all like through messages and stuff. And like on set, I would hear... I'd get a call from the exec being like, oh, you know, Steven loved this shot you shot yesterday. I was like, oh, he's watching my dailies? Like, that's, wow. I can't think about that. That's like, no, please don't tell me. <laughs> don't yeah. tell me that. <laughs> yeah. And, and then I would just hear bits and pieces. And then we waited to show it to him until like I had done my first sort of, you know, friends and family screening and like started feeling really good about the cut. And then we made a DCP for him. He watched it at his house and he came in the next day. He's really fat. Like he reads really fast. He watches really fast. I don't know how he has the time. He came in and he was just like, you made a great movie. And I was like, already my heart, like, you know, burst out of my chest. It was insane. And, you know, just this, this icon walking into the edit suite, he had lots of nice things to say. He had actually watched it twice, once by himself and then once like with his daughter and she loved it, which was awesome. Wow. And, you know, he had a bunch of notes and ideas, things he wanted to try. And then sort of over the next week, I worked with the editor on stuff and then Spielberg would come in and like watch stuff and we would I'd show him scenes. And I really had to forget that it was Spielberg sitting on the couch next to me because I had to be able to like argue with him and like talk of creatively about stuff and which is really hard, obviously. Um, I can't even imagine. I mean, I can't imagine. He was extremely generous, both with his time and his knowledge. And it was fascinating to see how his mind worked. I'm, I get quite active like in a in an edit bay and I'll like sort of pitch stuff in the room and like act out a scene or whatever and he would get really into it and like pitch off my stuff and it was surreal. I mean it was I felt extremely lucky and felt like how do I ever top this experience but yeah I hope I get to work with him again. It was just very special. I don't know. I mean it's I, I pinch myself all the time that I got that experience. To get to that point though is so much of your own hard work. I mean 
being in plays as a kid, learning how to make films, schooling, short films, doing all this stuff from the ground up, learning how to write, pitching your ideas, and just literally never stopping, I think is is why you ended up getting to that room, to make a movie and then have Spielberg sit there and give you advice. I mean, that's just so, so cool, man. And it is a good- Thank you. It is a good movie. And if anyone listening hasn't seen it, you should check it out. If you missed it because of COVID or any other issues, go watch it. It's It's scary. I like it. It's got a really great, if you want to call it a monster, really great design. Dude, seriously, thank you so much for just taking the time to talk to me today and for sharing your story. I really do think it's inspiring and valuable for people to hear it. And I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you so much. It was great to talk to you about all this.